This is Deep Blue, where we get the true life stories of BYU athletes, coaches, and fans. Here's your host, Jerem Jordan. On today's show, we talk with a guy whose dad was the all-time leading rusher here at one point. He owns a poster of Cougar football players from the 80s still. He's one of the most creative people I know and the newest BYU TV Sports Department employee. As a producer, he is the one and only Hema Hey Mooley. Hema, what is up, man? What is up, Jerem? Thank you. I mean, you're welcome for having me on the show. <laughs> I, I've been seeking for a while with Deep Blue to have someone on that had interviewed Ice Cube. I finally <laughs> found that you, man. Well, you came to the right place. Yes. And I have to say... Uh, me and Cube, as you know, since we're best friends You're now, that's, Cube. we're we're on a second first name basis now. So, yeah. <laughs> second first name basis. I <laughs> okay. love that. Okay, uh, we'll get to that in a minute. So, I'm so stoked you're with BYU TV Sports now in our department. It is awesome. One, we were all white. Okay, <laughs> you are Polynesian. You provide a valuable cultural addition, and obviously, you have an amazing experience. But listen, you you come from KSL Sports. You come from a background where your dad was Lakehemuli. Mm-hmm. People know Lakehemuli. I got your uncle's autograph yes. when I was a teenager. <laughs> Hema, Hemuli, you're named yep. after your uncle. You have a rich history here. Do you feel like you came home in a way being yeah. at BYU TV? No, definitely. I think, you know, it It wasn't as like, I don't know, cathartic of a coming home, like homecoming as, as you would think. But I, I did. We needed a banner. All there right. was. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't see the parade. Um, it's, it's just – there's a part, you know, I've been a BYU fan forever, you know, and um, even working at KSL, when when you're coming from news, you try to be objective. I did a lot of covering for, like, the youths, you know, and stuff like that. But um, <clears throat> being able to come to Provo and to get in-depth with the program that I've been familiar with since I was a little boy, you know, I've had posters of all the greatest BYU players like hanging on my walls growing up and being back in this environment definitely is a it's a highlight of my career though, for sure. A couple jobs ago you were at Delta and I've been told that you were you started creating content for them all of a sudden. Yeah, I did. Pre-KSL. That's true. So you've been in this game for a while, right? Yeah, so well that's that's interesting. So like um, my degree is actually in aviation science. Like that's what I I graduated in. And what does so that mean? It it means I wanted to work for like Boeing and stuff yeah. like that. But um, I worked for Delta for like almost ten years, and um, it didn't really go anywhere per se. Um, and so you know, just as a hobby, I would you know take videos of like my brothers who were still playing football and. Um, you know, edit those together. I would do graphics on like Photoshop and Illustrator and it was all just a hobby, man. Like I would do sports edits of like like I remember, you know, Jamal Williams going off against Toledo and so I took a still photo of Jamal Williams and of him running against Toledo and put like flames behind him and I just posted that like just for fun. And um Slowly, I started thinking, like, this is super cool. I wish I could do this all the time. But that's all it was, was just, like, a fleeting thought of, like, that would be great if, you know, this was another life or whatever. And, um, yeah, that's that's just how I started getting into these creative um, avenues that normally someone, you know, wouldn't think of if they're working throwing bags at Delta, you know. 
Yeah, and then so you end up at KSL Sports as a producer. How how'd that happen? Because so that's a high profile position. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so you know, slowly, um, my siblings, you know, my brother Helam, he played at Weber State, and I would create content for him. And then he graduated, and then my young second to youngest brother Houston. He plays – he's a fullback at Stanford and when he started the playing – The overachiever of the family. Yes. He's the, <laughs> he's the one my dad's proud of. Um, no, it's he, – he started playing for Stanford and um, I thought, you know what? Like it would be cool to make some videos of whatever he does and um, just try to support him in that way. Well, I started um, reaching out to like um, bloggers in the sports field, uh, particularly SB Nation and they had a – a Stanford SB Nation called Rule of Tree, and they're like, "We're looking for content creators. Let us know if you want to join." Like, obviously not paid, right? But I was like, "I make content. My brother's there. I want to pub him out." So I start. I wrote them, and I was like, "Hey, can I start creating content for you?" And they were like, "Yeah." And so that I, I just started doing that. Well, then you know, Vanquish the Foe, who's also SB Nation. Um, I started doing like little things for them. And BYU's kind of site. BYU's, yeah, BYU's SB Nation site. And um, after a while, I was like, this is kind of cool. This is something I could do um, for reals if I, if I just, you know, try and work on my craft and um, get good at it. Never in a million years did I think I could work for KSL, right? Because KSL is like a blue chip, you know, uh, news organization. Well, one of my good friends from college, he – um, worked in production at KSL, and he was like, "Hey, they're hiring a graphic designer. Um, you should apply for it." And I was like, "Okay." He sent me the the thing. I applied for it, but then I also saw on that job board that they were hiring a sports producer, and I was like, "I'll just shoot my shot. We'll see what happens." And so I started getting together a reel, um, and then you know, to cap it all off, I sent a text to my uncle Vi Vaisikahema, <laughs> who appears on. KSL from time to time, and I was like, hey, I, I kind of want to do this sports producing thing. Like, can I write you as a reference? And he's like, yeah, I'll write you as a reference. And then that was that. And I didn't hear anything for like a week or so. And then Via like calls me like sometime later, and he's like, I know you wanted me as a reference. I did you one better. I called like the news director and asked her to give you a shot. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. And um Vi's gonna buy, man. Vi's gonna buy he's like, you know, he he knows how to get to the end zone any way possible. You know? <laughs> yes, he does. And so um it's gonna punch the field goal. That's <laughs> that's how I that's how I got into KSL. And uh from there I just worked on my craft and um, you know, after like four years of, of working at KSL, then this opportunity presented itself and now I'm here. So um yeah, I'm super I'm super proud to have worked my way through KSL. I'm super proud that like my uncle Vi believed in me enough and and stuck his neck out for me. Quite honestly, because I didn't, you know, I wasn't a journalism major or anything like that. Trust and, me, that um, doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah. So, anyways, that's that's how I got to where I am today. Okay. When you were hired, you posted a really meaningful post. I really liked it. You talked about how excited you were to represent your culture here. What is it that you feel that you represent and can bring to us? And like I said, I think that's really important for us to have someone with a different look at, uh, at things, a different background to mm -hmm. what we do, not to mention – and we'll talk about this in a bit, but you're going to do the, the Kalani Stocky Coaches Show mm – -hmm. A Tongan's going to do a Tongan show. Yeah, I think that's really meaningful. Thank you. I, I um, yeah, it was. It's 
very special to me. Um, when I was working at KSL, we worked a lot with the jazz, and I would actually see Alema Harrington from time to time. And um, Former homie here as well. Yeah, for, we love former, Alema. Yep, Alema's yep. great. Yep. Also a KSL alum too. Yep. And um, just – I would see him at different events and he would just say, what's up or whatever. Like, I thought he was just being nice, you know. But he one time said to me, just in passing, like at the jazz arena, he was like, it's nice to see another Polynesian face, you know, in the media. And I was like, that's true because there's not really sports media. It's like me and a lemma, Mm -hmm. you know. And um, I kind of – that kind of impacted me a lot to where I started – not that I didn't carry myself in in a manner, you know, becoming of of my people, but like before, but it just made it more conscious for me. And so when the opportunity to work here at BYU presented itself, um, I thought this is where we can make the biggest impact because, you know, coming from the fan experience, you know, we've had Kalani Sitake as our head coach for what, six years, seven almost or something like that. Going into six? Yeah, going into six. Kalani, it's it's super unique, right? There's only two Polynesian, of all the FBS head coaches, and there's what, like 130 30 or something like that. Um, only two are Polynesian and one is Tongan. And both and, are members of the Church of Jesus Christ yeah, of Latter-day Saints, which is unique. Which is super cool. And so me as like a half Tongan, half Maori, like what an opportunity for me to make my mark on, on this organization by supporting – the only Tongan head coach in FBS history um, and to help us to, you know, further not only the the church's mission and BYU's mission and the team's mission, but also like to put on for my people. You know what I'm saying? So. I'm so excited about it. Honestly, I think it's really important. And obviously the last, you know, several years we've become more conscious of what we haven't been doing, mm. we being society in the yeah. United States. I think this is a great move. I'm so excited. Regardless, uh, your skills speak for themselves, right? <laughs> okay. And you add to that the the diversity that they bring. I think it's amazing because – so Spencer Linton, for those who don't know, if you're outside maybe the Salt Lake market, he is kind of the the third string sports anchor mm-hmm. uh, at yeah. KSL. Yeah. Um, and that's the background he comes from is – and people have listened to Deep Blue. You heard the Spencer Linton story um, of going to Grand Junction and going to Palm Springs. It's pretty cool when he, you know, he he does an excellent job of that. He really mm-hmm. does, among the many things. You got to work with Spencer. So I already knew who you were, and I already knew you were really good because I've followed you on social media, and you're super creative. And I think once before, speaking of Ice Cube, yeah. it was the three-on-three tournament. What, oh, yeah. What's it called again? I can't the, remember. I think it's called the three-on-three basketball three, three tournament. Three-on-three, okay. Yeah. It, I, I worked it for CBS Sports Network, and okay. I went and just hung out with you guys for like an hour at KSL. Just, yeah. And I was like, oh, I met Hema in person. Yeah, it was great. So when we posted this position, I told the boss, and so did Spencer, of course, like, hey, there's some really good candidates for this. One of them, and maybe the best one, is Hema <laughs> Kamuli. Like, if we oh, could thanks, get Hema, man. that'd be incredible. So um, this job opens up, and we do some interviews, and there's some great candidates, and you were the best one, man. Oh, thanks. And dude. so it's been it's been super cool to see that. And we haven't even touched the surface. You've You've done what? A couple web chats on Media Day oh, yeah. and a few BYU sense. Sure. You did a 90s show, which a is 90s so throwback, cool. Yeah. I was so jealous because I was on vacation <laughs> that day. I was like, no, I want to do that one. That's awesome. Dude, you could have wore your like Ken Griffey Jr. stuff. Yes, probably. I have a Ken Griffey Jr. jersey in the whole deal. Yeah, exactly. So already your creativity and skills have, have been brought to the table. Give us a taste of sort of 
what you're hoping to accomplish this fall as you, you uh, as we explained, you're going to produce the BYU Football with Klein's Talking yeah, Coaches Show, yeah. BYU Basketball with Mark Pope. Um, I've been doing these the last four years. I'm so happy I'm handing it off to someone that knows what they're doing and can elevate <laughs> it way so. better than I did it. Mark, you're going to have fun with those guys, by the way. Yeah. Mark Pope's insane. Good luck when he shows up two minutes before. <laughs> um, and then Countdown to Kickoff, I uh-huh. did for eight years. Our boss, uh, Junior, Dave Phillips, did it last year. And then Countdown to Tip-Off, we'll get it yep. work together. So you get four very important shows. Um, how are you feeling about that task this fall and winter? Oh, man. It's a huge task. I'm um, I'm humbled by, like, the opportunity to, like – you know, football, basketball, the big products, you know, everyone, a lot of eyeballs are going to see it, especially, you know, after the seasons that we had last year and um, the year before even for both basketball and football. So um, I'm like super nervous. Like it's, it's a good nervous. It's like a nervous, you know, before you take the field to play sports or something like that. Um, but I'm excited to to see what I can do. Um the previous producer sucked. You'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Not even, dude. I'm talking about Junior. No, I'm just playing. That's our boss. Oh I'm gosh. talking about me. <laughs> yeah, Dave, I did not say that for the record. No, just kidding. It's- if he, D- Dave, if you hear this, let us know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like what I'm hoping to accomplish mostly is just, um, you know, like you said, we, you know, in general are more conscious now. And um, for me, it's super important. The, the concept of um, representation matters and I think that's that's what I hope to accomplish um, to and I hope to bring to, to viewers is like, you know, Kalani's personality, Mark Pope's personality, maybe elements of them that you didn't know existed um, because, you know, coming from, you know, the my background, for example, like – I remember distinctly when, like, I realized, like, oh, what's happening around me isn't necessarily representative of, like, who I am in in a good sense. And what I mean is, like, can I share a short story real quick? Like, Please. You know, when I was growing up, I, I went to um, elementary school in Salt Lake. I've moved all, all over the place from, like, Salt Lake to San Diego and whatnot. But I distinctly remember when I was in Salt Lake um, in elementary school, our teacher gave our classroom – um, an assignment, and that assignment was to write on a poster, like a list of our favorite foods, right? And um, kids would write, you know, like chicken fingers or like pizza. macaroni and pizza yeah, yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. Well, I remember writing um, lucipi, which is, is a Tongan food. Lucipi, which is like this, it's like kind of like leaves, um, like. Uh, lamb, cooked lamb in leaves, and they like wrap it up really tight and they cook it underground. So like lucipi, lupulu. I was writing things like um, like taro, like like all these um, foods that I was used to eating. And um, afterwards, the teacher brought the poster in front of the class and was like reading off all these things. She was reading doing pizza. her best to pronounce those. Well, probably. and then she said like lupulu for example, which is like beef wrapped in these leaves. And all these kids are like, ew, what is that? Did you say poop? Like things like that, which is <laughs> kind of funny, right? But at the time I was like, like, no, I didn't – I felt like I did something wrong, you know, mm. as a little kid because I was like, oh, I like I didn't understand the assignment or something, you know. And that's when I realized I was like, oh, like I'm different. Like this is – like the kids were kind to me and everything like that. Like it was all fine, but there's still that difference, right? And after that moment, I started, like, seeking these things 
like in public. I would like consciously look for, you know, oh, so-and-so, he looks Tongan. Let's find out if he's Tongan. Or um, this song, like the singer sounds, she sings like my aunties does. Like I wonder if she's Tongan. Like I had that thirst to like identify with whatever was around me. And, you know, it wasn't until, like, recently, you know, like, The Rock. We have, like, The Rock now and, like, Jason Momoa and, like, mm-hmm. all these people in mainstream media that, you know, Polynesians can identify with, um, you know, back in the 90s and early 2000s. Like, it, those weren't really around. And so I guess consciously now, now that I'm a an adult, like, that's kind of my mission statement. Like, I've taken that to heart. And then, you know, it was reinforced by a lemma, like saying, hey, there's not many of us out here. And um, that's in essence what I'm trying to accomplish now, whether it's at KSL or whether it's here at BYU. Um, that's giving people something to identify with is kind of my mission. And, you know, it's not just Polynesian stuff, you know, like with the Mark Pope show, like I hope to bring out a personality trait that Mark Pope has that no one's seen before. Like we all know he's crazy and goofy and awesome and like he'll stand in an iceberg waving a flag around. But what else, (laughs) you know? Like what else is there? And I'm sure there's something in there that people watching like a young kid is like, I identify with that. I get that. Yeah. And um, that's that's kind of the essence of what I'm trying to do now. I love that. Going into Deep Blue last fall, I thought, we're not telling enough stories of our black athletes. Mm-hmm. And so, it's, yes, it's very important to touch on that. And there are amazing stories from a lot of people that don't come from the traditional white LDS, even Utah background, right? Mm-hmm. So it's fun to be able to tell those stories uh, <laughs> in this way, right? Cool. Um, yeah. The other day someone was saying, what are your hobbies? And the first thing that came to my mind was my blank canvas is a TV show. Mm. And what music and images and video and what that I put into this that evoke sort of the story and these emotions. It's like mm-hmm. that's my hobby. I luckily get paid for it. Right. But it's so fun what we get to do to craft these stories around a team that is very special. Yes. And if they happen to win a ton of games, that really amplifies the story. For sure. Which is good. And like you said, BYU's coming off this amazing year mm-hmm. in football and men's basketball, let alone the other sports, right? There's a lot of great stories to tell, which is going to be Absolutely. amazing. Yeah. And I can't – you know, as – like you just said, being a storyteller, like finding these stories, like not only impacts you, like it speaks to you, but also instantly we start thinking about like, oh, this is like the music I can put to this story. They will enhance what he's yep. saying. You, you know? hear it and you're like, you oh. see it. Yes. I hear a song and I see a thing. Yeah, Like exactly. in high school, I remember playing around with video editing when I was like, I know I want to do this, something mm-hmm. like this. The O2 Olympics were my senior year. Um, at Copper Hills, and I was like, oh, the power of music with video yeah. is strong. You put out some really good music videos and shows on KSL and everything. Now you get this chance here to kind of do it for us, which, I, I again, I'm just so stoked we're having oh, you. Oh, thanks, man. I, I'm, I'm excited to be here too because, like, like you said, there's so many stories to be told. Like we've – I've watched all the Deep Blues and, like, I'm starting to listen to this podcast. And that's, like, not even a one-hundredth of the stories that are out there. Yep. Um, thanks, thanks, Moroni. Yeah, <laughs> a hundredth part. Yep, and there's and there's you know like you know not only current athletes, bro. You could like we can deep dive in like all the older athletes who didn't get their stories told, and that's for me a storyteller. That's the coolest thing that we could possibly do. In fact, um, 
Taika Waititi, you know who he is, right? Huge fan. Obviously. Huge fan. Um, yeah. He's he's a hero of mine. And he said um, when is he – Is he Maori? He's Maori, yeah. yeah. He he spoke after winning some award. I've, I'm pretty sure it was like a BAFTA or something. I it could be wrong. But he said um, like talking to like Polynesians, he's like, we are the original storytellers. And I thought that was super cool because, mm. you know, when you think about it, that's kind of – where Polynesians, we say talk story. Like, you know, you come to my house, we'll hang out, we talk story. And that's all we do is just share stories all the time. So for me, being able to do that now here at BYU and to join you, who's also a fantastic storyteller. Oh, thank you. Like, this will, it, it, I'm super excited to find these stories and to, to tell them in the, in the months to come, for sure. I feel a different connection to general Polynesian culture because of my connections with rugby. Oh, yeah. It's really helped me appreciate and understand a little better, and I don't understand a ton, but, like, obviously, you know, calling rugby games well, for the Utah Warriors, it's like, okay, let's talk about all these cultures that come together on this yeah. team. And, you know, obviously the All Blacks, the Maori All Blacks, uh-huh. Tonga, Samoa, Fiji, you know, and so on and so forth. There's something, I don't know what it is, but there's something about rugby that is inherently Polynesian in yeah. some way that helps connect South Africa. Eng- I don't know what it is, sure. but I've, I'm paying way more attention to New Zealand and Maori culture and Taika Waititi's movies. And yeah. I don't know what it is, it's, but, but I love it. Like I want to go to New Zealand one day. Like New Zealand's super appealing to me. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, we're coming up on the Olympics. And uh, you know, last Summer Olympics was the first year they had rugby sevens. Yeah. And the first team that won – Gold, Fiji. Fiji, of all places. Which is awesome. Yeah, because they're not even like— Their first medal ever. Yeah, first medal ever, first rugby medal ever, like, in general. Like, you would have thought odds on, like, New Zealand winning were really high, right? Not in but sevens. Not in sevens. And, in fact, Fiji, another Polynesian island, was able to do it. And so it's just, yeah, rugby, for some reason, I don't know why either, is just it's innately Polynesian almost because it's like— You've heard this before because obviously you're around the rugby circles. But there's a saying that it's like it's a it's a hooligan sport played by gentlemen, mm-hmm. right? And uh, that, like, I'm happy to say, like, I feel like that's accurate, especially with Polynesian culture, because like they're big old dudes that can smash you into the ground, but then they'll pick you up after, and you'll the go nicest dudes go eat food after <laughs> after the match, right? Yes. And like whether it's a like test rugby or something like that, or gold medal rugby, like. Um, they'll pound you into the ground and then pick you up and go feed you, you know. And that's kind of, um, I don't know, the essence of Polynesia. And, and it just fits with rugby, man. It's just a cool thing. Now this – this okay. So I want to ask you this um, because, you know, calling games for like the Utah Warriors and stuff like that, like obviously you get a lot of practice saying Polynesian names, right? How, like do you feel like you're getting a sense of like um, the culture – uh, like saying just their names, like the Samoans and the Tongans and the Fijians. Like a you're sense, getting, yes. Yeah, I I need I probably need more background. Sure, but I love when I connect. Well, let me preface this as a play-by-play. My main job is to say the names of the players correctly. Yeah, and I always have this battle of how anglicized will I make it mm. because my audience is probably Americans right. or whatever watching it. So I always have this battle. But on Polynesian names, because of BYU football, mm. I generally try to say them Yeah, the that way they would be said Yeah, as much as possible. Yeah. There's probably a middle ground too of like 
every you know not every uh, Latin American player. Gabi Garcia Fernandez. Oh sure, right. You know, You're not gonna just yeah. Gabi Garcia Fernandez or whatever. Right. But I'm gonna say Gabi. I'm not gonna say Gabby. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, same idea there. But yes, the sense there is is good. And South Africans, they those names are very unique oh, compared yeah. to Americans. Yeah. So yes. I had a game two weeks ago where I was like, this one's in a particular challenge. Yeah. And, and But it's a fun challenge because you honor, like you're alluding to, sort of the culture and the history and the family name and the – through a name, yes, and how you say a name yes. that matters exactly. And I think I think you do a great job. And I think um, I think of everything you do here, that probably is like one thing that ties you most closely to the Polynesian culture, mm. just because, like you said, it's it's history. The names are important. The way you say them is important. But also, you know, like we said, it's Polynesian culture is like a non-written culture, right? We're storytellers. That's how we communicated and passed it down generation that's to generation. That's what Taika means. Okay. That's what Taika yeah. means. Okay. Um, and that's how we preserve tradition and like history. And, you know, now we can look up on like ancestry.com or whatever the – what's the church's one called? Family, family Search. Yeah, Family Search. And like you can look up the history. But like Polynesians don't necessarily need that. You know what I mean? Like we, we already know like because – our family tells us so much who's who and where they came from and um, saying names. I just thought I'd ask you what you thought about that because saying the names correctly and saying them um, is how you preserve the culture. Yes, and I, I have a name that gets mispronounced and so I like when someone says it. Yeah. And my name's not even hard. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. But like uh, – Jerome. But, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that was my name. Jerome Kersey lived in Portland, you know, for the – so I was Jerome and I was going to like, cool, right. I'll be a Jerome. <laughs> I actually – it gets messed up so much I'll order food and I'll just say my name's Jordan. Oh, Because yeah. Jerome, Jaron, Jerome, whatever. Anyway. Yeah. So let's talk about your name. Okay. Hema. Hemuli. Your first name is named after your uncle. Mm-hmm. This is something that's – uh, cultural as well. Yeah. Some people think you're Hema's kid. Nope, you're Lake's kid. Yes. Hema's your uncle. Yeah. Uh, that even happened on an introductory <laughs> Zoom here at BYU Broadcast. Yeah. Well, it's, it, and it's totally fine. Like, it's, it happens all the time. Um, but you're absolutely right. It's it's very much a cultural thing, um, uh, especially for Tongans, but Samoans do it too. Like, you name your children after um, other family members, which isn't strange by any stretch. Everyone does that. But um, more specifically, they name them after siblings, right? Um, so it's it's more rare to hear a good example. Like shout out to my little brother Houston's teammate Gabe Reed, right? Um, his dad is Spencer Reed, you know, not Gabe, not who Gabe. Also played a BYU, exactly. Yeah, a couple Cougars. Um, and same thing happened to my family. My dad's Lake, and instead of naming his son Lake, he named him after his brother Hema, and that's that's. Um, the name I have today. And uh, it's kind of an interesting story because what happened was after high school, um, my grandpa sent my Uncle Hema to live with my dad and my mom because my Uncle Hema was, quote unquote, like such a troublemaker that my grandpa just couldn't take it anymore. So he sent him <laughs> to live with Lake. Can and, I do that uh, with my kids? <laughs> and my mom at the time was pregnant with me. And my dad said, Uncle Hem, my Uncle Hema was so was so obedient and so soft-spoken and so well-behaved that my dad's like, geez, like this isn't my dad. Like he's like, my dad's crazy. This kid, my little <laughs> brother's awesome. And so that was even further 
uh, incentive to name his first son after Hema was because Hema was such a well-behaved person. And uh, yeah, that's how I got my name back then. So I want to talk about your dad because uh, David Almodova, the BYU Athletic Marketing Mm -hmm. guy on campus, uh, he's amazing and awesome. He does so much for uh, the fan experience at games. He said that he grew up with your dad's posters on his wall. (laughs) He was the man, right? So let's go back to Kahuku and and Latye and and, um, what your dad did as a player. And honestly, the the kids growing up right now – and. Don't really understand how good your dad was. Yeah. He was the original Jamal Williams. He was the original Luke Staley, right? Right. Um, so, yeah, we throw it back to, like, uh, Oahu, right? And that's where Kahuku is, close to Laie. Um, a lot of Polynesians that live in Laie obviously are LDS because um, back in the day – and this is the same This is the same story for my family. I'll just tell it. Whatever. Um, my grandpa moved from Tonga – to Laie because that was the closest temple at the time. And he wanted to seal his family and um, and to have that part of the gospel in their lives. And so um, my grandpa in Tonga, he had like a he had like a store, like a fairly successful store and a lot of land and whatnot. And he sold it um, to buy airplane tickets to bring his family to uh to Laie, but he only had enough money to send like half of his family and the rest had to stay behind. And so my grandpa, Benny is his name. Um, he literally landed in Honolulu airport with my dad and a couple of my uncles and walked around until he found somebody that spoke Tongan because he didn't speak English. Like nobody in my dad's family spoke English. And he walked around until he found this Tongan guy that spoke English and my grandpa was like, hey, we just moved here from Tonga. We're trying to figure out where to live. And so like in true Polynesian fashion, that Tongan guy um, brought him to his home in Laie and like let him live there and for a while. And my grandpa like washed dishes until he had enough money to bring the rest of the family over. And so that that's – probably took a minute. Oh, it took a month. Took, took a while. Years yeah. maybe. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much airplane tickets were back. <laughs> yeah, then, I don't but, know either. It's wild. Um, but he did it, and eventually, my whole family came over to um, to Laie, and now they're in Laie, and now my grandpa's got a family of boys that have nothing to do. They don't know what to do, and my dad um, attends Koku High School, and this is in like the early eighties. Red Raiders, baby. Red Raiders, baby. And my dad decided to try out for the football team. And back then, it was a kind of a big deal because back then, most of the football players were Samo and they, the Tongans didn't really play much football. And my dad was like one of the first real, like first Tongans to like actually do something hmm. with football. Um, but it's also interesting because my dad only had a background in rugby. Goes back to rugby because they played rugby in Tonga. What position did he play? Oh, uh, he's probably a back. Yeah, you know, quick. He was quick. He was, yep. you know, skinny, but he was tough and he was strong. Mm-hmm. And so um, he decides to try out for the football team, and uh, he doesn't know any of the rules. All he knows is he's supposed <laughs> to run to the other end of the field, right? And so my dad's just like trucking people, knocking people <laughs> over. And well, right. Honestly, rugby with the ball in hand, it's the same idea. Yeah. And go, like, go through someone. And like, obviously, like, the play doesn't stop till the ball's down, right? Yeah. And like, 
if you're, the ball's not down, no matter how many whistles are blowing, you just keep going. And so my dad just had a habit <laughs> of you keep running people over even though the play technically is like down, right? Dead or whatever. A Forrest Gump moment there. Just keep yep, going. Just, he just keeps going. <laughs> um, and so after, you know, my dad only played football for like two years before he um, started breaking all these records in uh, Oahu and not just – for the school, but for like the island too, and um, yeah, that's how he that's how he got into football. And actually, if you guys like want to see old school footage of him running people over in high school, I actually found some video of him uh, when he was a senior. It was like a senior bowl type thing, and there's video of my dad in Kahuku Red Raider gear running people over, and uh, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. You can look; it's like on my social media, or we'll post. Did you put something. it on YouTube? Uh, no, it's. It's just on my like Twitter, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what's your Twitter handle? Oh, again? it's uh, at x underscore hems, h e m s. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so you can find <laughs> the video there. I'll tweet something out. It's it's a lot of fun, old school stuff. So he learns the rules, mm-hmm. and he's pretty good. And yeah. he's recruited by BYU. Yeah. But Utah was in there too. Yes. <laughs> this is a good. Did story. he almost go to Utah? He did. Okay, this is a great story, and um, I'll preface this by saying like. Coach Ron McBride is like an old family friend of ours. And every time I see him anywhere, whether it's at a Utah game or Weber State something or whatever, like we always say what's up and he always remembers us and gives us a big hug. And um, so the story goes – and Ron McBride told me this. And this was later, you know, backed up by other people. Uh, Ron was actually recruiting my dad to play for Utah. Um, And he recruited my dad for months and was just like – Keeping tabs on my dad. What year is this? This would be like 82 probably. Okay. And um, he um, all of a sudden stops getting calls like from my dad and stops just black, right? Like it just goes silent, radio silence. The original ghosting. Yeah. My dad ghosted Ron McBride. So Ron's <laughs> like, something's up. I'm going to fly to Hawaii and see what's going on. And uh, he hops on a plane and he goes – to Kahuku to go find my dad. And um, he shows up to my dad's house and knocks on the door and my dad answers the door and the first thing he says is like, what happened? He just, I just don't hear from you anymore. And he goes inside and starts talking with my dad and finds out that um, that uh, that my dad has actually been talking to Norm Chow. And, at BYU. Yep, at BYU. And my dad brings like these drawings on some paper and my dad's like, yeah, Norm Chow's been coming over and look, he's showing me all these plays and he's – he's they're going to let me run the ball, Ron. And, this and, is coming off of Jim McMahon. But. Yeah. <laughs> and Ron McBride looks at the drawings, looks at my dad and says, Norm Chow is a liar. <laughs> he's like, Norm Chow is lying. He's like – they run a different offense and you will never touch the ball. And my dad's my dad's like, oh, I don't know, coach. I don't know. And and Ron McBride, this is his words. He actually says this. He's He told me while he was telling the story. He's like, and I don't know how they convinced him. I was probably someone in the brotherhood at church or something like that. <laughs> the brotherhood <Yeah>. at church. <laughs> that got into uh, your dad's parents' ears. But um, I knew at that point that Lockheed was going to go to BYU. And um makes sense because my dad was, you know, my, my grandpa, my grandma, they're very 
LDS, very religious, obviously. They moved there for religious reasons. And so, of course, they wanted him to go to BYU. Of course, they wanted him to go to the school uh, named after Brigham Young, you know. And uh, that's how the story goes. And that's and Ron McBride says, after that day, I swore that I would have Hamuli play for me. And um, he missed out on me just, you know, because he was in between jobs around then, right, when I was um, coming up. So he decided to sign my brother Helam at Weber State. So that's how my brother so he got one. Yep. So he got one, and that's how he ended up. That's how Helam ended up at Weber State. Was uh, Coach Mack? Coach Mack uh, signed him because he didn't want to miss out on another Hamuli. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Okay, so uh, Lake becomes the all-time leading rusher of BYU. He's incredible. Mm-hmm. Hema is really good as well. Like I mentioned, I got his autograph after a game in like <laughs> 95 or 90, yeah. 94 or something. But he was he was awesome. Now uh, you mentioned your, your brother Helam at Weaver State. Did you play? I played in high school. Yeah. Yeah. What, what high school did you go to? I went to Viewmont in Bountiful. Go Vikings? Yeah. And uh, we actually lived in a part of Bountiful that could have really gone to either. There's like Bountiful, which is just up the hill. Viewmont is um, – it's on like 1,000 north, like in the middle. And then there's like Woods Cross, which is further south. And like I could have gone to either of those schools, but I went to Viewmont um, because Viewmont's head coach saw me playing when I was in Little League. Um, this is kind of funny though. The, the the weird thing about Bountiful football back in the day, I don't know if it still is this way. Um, if you weigh a certain amount, they put a big X on your helmet and you have to be on the line. Have you heard of this before? No. Yeah, it's called being an X-Men. So <laughs> – um, the original. Yeah. So I'm if, Wolverine. So, <laughs> so, you know, I'm in like junior high and um, there's a weight limit and I obviously am a big kid and I exceed that weight limit. So I'm on the line. Well, I play a year of that being like a left tackle. and Very my, exciting as a yeah, kid. Yeah, very exciting. <laughs> you just stand there. Um, my dad's like, that's it. We're going to go play somewhere else. And so the, the next year, I think this is in like – eighth grade. Um, he actually drove me down to Provo every day to play because of the leagues down here, you didn't have to weigh a certain amount or whatever. You just had to try out and you could be a running back. It's like an hour drive. Yeah. And he, he would drive me every single day after wow. school. And um, so I played for Canyon View uh, Junior High is what it, I don't know where it is. It's close to Orem High. Um, and that's where I played as a running back. And it was so much fun because I would just truck fools. And you were like the that. Chris Fuamatu Malafa. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I played against <laughs> like a bunch of guys. You know, I'm pretty sure. Like, I'll have to look back at like, um, look back at my little photos and things. But I'm pretty sure I played against like Harvey and stuff like that growing yeah, up. Yeah, Harvey back Yunga, in the day. Tim Few in the area. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And so, um, yeah, it was a lot of fun, a lot of good memories. And then when I became a ninth grader. I went back up to Bountiful um, to play at Viemont because the coach wanted me to play for the high school team. So, yeah. So that's – I mean, but that's the extent of my my career. Um, I got to say, like playing – like having a dad like Lakehe Muli be your coach is both awesome and then unbearably sucky <laughs> at times <laughs> because, bro, like – even after practice, my dad was just running me, like running gassers and like, you know, you know how dads are. Yep. Um, but like super valuable experience and he taught me everything I knew. 
Um, I credit a lot of my success, you know, because he would teach me like little things that like high school coaches weren't even teaching their athletes. Mm. He would teach me things like, you know, you know, look at their hips, like how the linebackers hips are lined up, you know, linemen will cheat and they'll stare at where they're going to go at this level. So look at their eyes and they'll tell you where like they're stunning to and stuff like that. And I used all that information to help my like running game as in junior high and in high school. And like, I feel like that's why I did so well. It's not because I was like talented or anything like that. It was just because my dad was Lakehe Muli and he taught me all that stuff. Oh, that's amazing, man. What's it like to have Houston at Stanford? Your brother. It's a lot of fun. Do you live through him a little bit? Are you a uh, Cardinal yeah. fan? Like Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely a Cardinal fan until he graduates and then I probably <laughs> won't care. <laughs> then you're done. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a lot of fun. Um yeah, because he's funny too. You brought him into the office. Yeah, he was awesome, dude. He was so cool. The funniest thing too is like um, Alana. Like she, he was like working in my office, like on the computer, and Alana comes in and says hi to him, like thinking it was me. And he, you know, obviously like doesn't want to embarrass anybody, so he's just like, yeah, and like he's like, I talked to her for like a minute. Pretending I was you. <laughs> hey, can you turn in that uh, production report? He's like, yeah, yep, totally. Yep. But uh, yeah, he's super funny. Um, yeah, and just you know, he's so he's the second to last of five kids. I'm the oldest of five. He's second to last. And I feel like with every brother, like there was me, then Helam, then I have a sister, and then Houston. With each jet, like kid, we learned more and more about like how you know, recruiting works and how, like, the football world changes. And and so he's definitely benefiting. Like, I'm not saying he's successful because of You would have been it, fourth. Right? You'd be at Stanford. <laughs> yeah. He, like, he definitely, like, knows, like, the deal. And, and, you know, being siblings, like, I helped him out as much as I could. Helam helps him out as much as he can. Heaven does the same thing, my sister. Your sister's name's Heaven. Yeah, my sister's That's name's Heaven. amazing. <laughs> yeah. I love that. She's not as heavenly as you would assume. <laughs> No, just kidding. <laughs> Love you, have. Um, but yeah, I just you know, as as with each year, you know, each kid, um, we we learned more and more about how things work, and so now he's he's poised to have a very successful year. He's a fifth year senior at um, at Stanford. He's already graduated, so he's got his degree. Oh, dude, that degree too. Yeah, Woo. and so he's a he's a biology major. Oh, so, he chose an easy one. That's yeah, great. <laughs> I know. He has so much time to spend on studying. <laughs> Um, and yeah, so he, he's going to probably try his hand at the NFL after this year, but, nice. um, I'm hoping I can catch some games this year. Um, you know, cause it's a fun memory and who knows if the next brother will, will play anywhere like that. But yeah, that's exciting, man. Well, that's sweet. I'm so happy you are here, as I mentioned, and you bring this rich history and I love when people find out. You're Lockheed's kid. It's yeah. Like, dude, Lockheed's kid's here? Like, Lockheed's <laughs> a legend. And now you're creating your own legacy, right? And uh, those are some amazing stories. So thanks for being on the show, man. Uh, oh, it's no good problem. to know that at least one person's listening, which is cool. So, <laughs> yeah, we got, we're going to try and double that next year. So that's kind of our goal. But anyway, Hema, we appreciate it, man. And, uh, again, you can watch Hema's uh, produced shows on uh, BYU football with Klein Stocky, BYU basketball with Mark Pope, Canada to kickoff, Canada to tip-off, and I'm sure some other stuff. Yeah, we'll see what happens. It's going to be awesome, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. That'll do it for us. Listen to previous episodes on the BYU Radio app or where podcasts are found. For Hema Haymuli and producer Trent Reimschusel, I'm Jerem Jordan. 
You've just listened to Deep Blue on BYU Radio.